0: There's a popular song that starts, So This Is Christmas. You know, as I was kind of looking over from back there, the crowd, of course, um, uh, 26 Christmases, um, my family and me have celebrated with you as our spiritual family and community, um, over a third of my life has been spent here uh with you and having gone through that part of my life uh I've walked through that with a lot of you and I was just thinking uh, looking over at the little christmas scene that peter took down for us that he didn't like some, <laughs> <just> a, <laughs> um you know, we, we glamorize that, but it was a veritable barn where our Lord was born. And then we are, are backed by a cross that represents uh, the most gruesome death that there could ever be. And in between that, we, we sing our songs, we have our children up here, we, um, we get to see. So this is Christmas. And every year we, we come to it. Today is Christmas Eve, and today we really contemplate the end of Mary's pregnancy and something that is uh, called labor. And um, I've never been in labor. Uh, I've been with my wife through four labors, and it's aptly named Labor. Labor. Uh, Carol Burnett described childbirth as taking your top lip and stretching it over your head. And um, I would not argue with that. You never want to argue with a woman in labor. Trust me. Tomorrow we contemplate a successful delivery. Um, Christmas for us as Christians is a highly nuanced uh, time, though, and even very challenging you know, on one hand, it really serves as a month-long excuse to evoke a social dopamine surge. We eat things that we can't eat through the years. Um, we, we sing songs. People that normally don't sing at all will be seen singing songs, songs that are ancient, that are lifelong for us, that we, we just kind of know. Some of those songs have nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. They're about snowmen and snowflakes and, you know, snow, (laughs) which I've seen three times on Christmas in my lifetime. (laughs) Um, But it serves as a challenging, painful reminder of one what happened to our Savior, uh, it also serves as a painful reminder and benchmark for a lot of people every year of um, what they might have never actually even had, or special things in people that may have been lost, um, or even our present pain really kind of juxtaposed against the lights and the sound and the celebration of the world around us. Um, Many of you are guests today, and we're so thankful that you've come to be with us and to honor us. But this is our Christmas. It's not a performance. It's a time that we come together to collect our thoughts about the birth of Jesus and what it means to us as a community. Because as disciples, we celebrate all of this every day. And we, we live it every day. And we're always glad to get to have a special celebration of it. What you saw a few minutes ago with Kale up here, it's us. You would not know that Kale and Jamie Ann have spent this year fighting for a set of twins. Kale is also Montana's son. And our Christmas kind of had a little bit of Paul cast over it because our first two grandsons are in the hospital right now really fighting for their lives. Little Brooks is never gotten out of the knee queue yet, and Baylor has had to go back for a second time and is pretty ill. And Cale and Jamie Ann are here to celebrate their time with us. And in a lot of places, he wouldn't have come up here and spoken. But here, this is what we're going to do, because this is Christmas. It's all of this. Alina just lost her mom this week. You know, we've had a couple of people, one in this church and one in another, who got really bad news on their cancer treatment this week. But we've had successful births. We've had new life. We've had multiple people give their lives to Jesus in our church this month. We, we've seen it all lived out in front of us and we could describe all of that and talk about it all day long as new life comes and life is taken away and Christmas doesn't change that yet. We have revealed to us in the Old Testament these promises about this Messiah, this Savior that's coming. And we have in the New Testament the testimony that all of those things are fulfilled, and Peter would say, we have the prophetic message made certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. Amen. You heard it sung, you've already heard it read. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He was called the Prince of Peace. We really have pretty vague Familiarity with princes in our day and age. I leaned over to Garrett during the choir and said, "Kaziet looks like a Nigerian prince. <laughs> Was he not stately up here? He's so handsome, so wow. handsome." But you know, we 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 struggle with what that even means. But princes really did represent an expectation. Of sorts. Who was to be the next king? And in the day and age that these scriptures were written and the times they were written about, that was a big deal. Kings would have absolute control over their kingdom. And they knew what that meant. In our modern democracies, we struggle with that a lot. In fact, we're repulsed by that kind of dictatorial leadership, but they were very familiar with it and knew it only as the way it was. And then we have this scene that Luke and Matthew tell us about of Jesus being born. And we we read about the angel singing to these lowly shepherds that Luke tells us about that were nearby and this choir of angels singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Not peace to all men or peace to all the spiritual realm, but peace to all those on whom His favor rests. This notion that all humans will ultimately be the recipient of the peace of Christ is an idle one, quite contrary to reality. This Jesus said, do not think I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace but I have come to bring a sword. Yes, our Prince of Peace is leading a battle. When God said, let us make man in all, in in our image, He wasn't talking about the Trinity. He wasn't talking about the angels, He was talking about the princes the princes that are still ruling the nations, the princes that Paul said our battle is against, princes like the prince of Persia that Daniel tells us held up Michael the warring angel for a period of time, princes that the nations were dispersed to when God took Israel as his people, Princes that the Prince of Peace is and will one day finally completely depose as he reclaims the nations. The Prince of Peace. Paul says of him in Ephesians two fourteen, in talking about this ancient schism between Israel. In Canaan, between Jew and Gentile. He said of the healing of that, he is our peace. He is our peace. The only peace on earth that will ever truly exist is when we let, as Cale mentioned from Colossians three, fifteen, let the peace of Christ. Rule in your hearts and be thankful. Paul says further in Ephesians 4.3, Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It is only in Christ that our warring world, led by the warlord princes, divine beings that are ruling the nations even now, these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that we know a little bit about, but that God is also bringing under his final kingdom rule and that he is uniting with us into one family. These presently divine beings with these human beings that God is uniting everything in heaven and on earth under one head, even Jesus Christ, as he describes in Ephesians 1, 11. And as he says in Ephesians three, in his prayer verse fourteen, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom the whole from whom the whole family in heaven is and on earth derives its name. Yes, God sent Jesus as the Prince of Peace, and the Prince of Peace has become the King of Kings. He has assumed that throne on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said before he left. But there is no real peace yet, either with those outside of this boat that we Christians are presently afloat in, or outside the boat in the floodwaters the world without Christ is drowning in. But to those that believe Jesus would say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Bravery, that's John fourteen twenty-seven. Bravery is not the absence of the fear emotion. It's the overcoming it. It's when faith overcomes it to do the God thing, to be the God person. The revelation promises us complete peace in the age to come. Not the age of endless time, but an existence without time, without evil change. The revelation says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain any more. For the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne... King of kings, the prince of peace said, behold, I am making all things new. Revelation 21, 3 to 5. But we presently live in a world, a creation of the material that is intermingled with the world. In fact, a highly populated but created spiritual realm that's invisible to us presently. that we battle against. It's who's behind the war between Israel and Gaza right now. It's who's behind the war in Ukraine and Russia and in Yemen and Ethiopia and all over our world. It's who's behind the mistreatment. It's who's behind human trafficking and ultimately it's who's behind death. As Mary labored in a makeshift delivery room among livestock and such, the heavenly realm, both those that were with God and those who were against God waited in expectation for what in creation Yahweh, the creator ruler of it all, was doing. And what they saw was a human baby born both of the Holy Spirit and a virgin girl. What we have in the Old Testament in terms of the picture that's being painted is a mosaic of pictures, knowing in part what God was doing, but trying to fit them together. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 8, In talking about the gospel he preached, he says, "'We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, "'but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers, "'the princes of this age, who are coming to nothing. "'No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden "'and that God destined for our glory before time began.'" None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So clearly these principalities were bewildered by what Yahweh was doing in this manger scene. And so Israel was also waiting, groaning under the weight of foreign oppression and the pain of bad leadership. And although they awaited the promised Messiah when He came, they mostly did not even recognize Him. John tells us in one eleven, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So Matthew, Luke, tell us his story literally. John tells us his story philosophically, and Mark shares about the power of his ministry. Luke tells us about the shepherds that the angels sang to who came to worship him. Matthew tells us about these noble beings called Magi that came from the east to see him. Met with Herod before they did to bring him gifts. But he was mostly ignored by Israel and the world until he couldn't be ignored anymore. And he rocked their world. And he has rocked our world and that's why in North America and South America, in Africa, in Europe, and Asia and Australia and to the ends of the earth, people today are remembering Jesus' birth whether they want to or not. And Paul promised that this Jesus that emptied himself, Philippians 2, 5, that took on the form of a servant that He humbled Himself to death on the cross will not be ignored. He said every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. They're going to either acknowledge it now or we'll acknowledge it later, but it will be acknowledged. So it's the same today. Many adore Him. Many serve Him complacently from afar. Many try to ignore Him but can't. Many deny Him and hate Him, but only those who haven't beheld Him can really ignore Him because He's already rocked our world once. The truth that the unbelieving world wants to deny is that it was Jesus that brought a sense of human equality of how women and children and weak people ought to be treated. It wasn't dictators, and it wasn't world religions. It wasn't humans. When Jesus asked the apostles, who do you say I am? Peter said, we say you're the son of God. And he said, you're blessed for this. And it wasn't revealed to you by humans, but it was revealed to you by heaven. So who do you say he is? The synoptics tell a story of Jesus in a boat with the apostles. Our Bible is written in a lot of stories. Just stories. The apprentice says, No, I talk about it. It's just the stories. These truths revealed in time and place and situation and humans as God from the eternal interacts with us in the presently temporal. Luke tells us it tells it this way in Luke eight thirty six and following, and leaving the crowd they took him with them in the boat, just as just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, the back, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, don't you care we are perishing?' "'And he awoke and rebuked the wind "'and said to the sea, "'Peace, be still. "'Stop. "'And the wind ceased. "'And there was a great calm. "'He said to them, "'Why are you so afraid?' Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this man? That even the wind didn't see, obey him. Who is this man? They were afraid. Reverence is a right reaction to a creator God who has authority over everything. Who has authority over all the things that dog us. They had brought in Jesus to the degree that their faith allowed, but everything was being put to the test. Their view of Israel, their view of what conquest meant, their view of who who the Messiah was, who they thought was going to be a conquering Savior, was telling them upside-down stories about being poor in the Spirit to be in the kingdom, about mourning to be comforted, about being meek to rule the earth, about persecuted people being blessed. The poor, the persecuted, these were who the kingdom was going to be about. And even after Jesus had left and the apostles were going about their work and being oppressed and attacked by the leaders of their very nation, it was said of them by Luke that these people took note that these men had been with Jesus because of their courage, Oh, today we can approach the world with courage. Our peace is in the boat with us. We, in fact, are in him. He is our boat. But they ask that question, teacher, do you not care? You don't care that my little grandbabies are in the queue right now fighting for their lives, and ten and I have to watch our son and daughter-in-law going through Christmas with these two little girls after six months of this over and over. Do you not care? Well, there's an old hymn that says, Oh yes, he cares. I know. He cares. He cared here. It's the question we ask when we lose a loved one, especially unexpectedly, or we lose our health, or we lose our wealth. Natalie, one of our members of our Wiley Church, just found out her very aggressive breast cancer is back and spread across, and she's got little kids at home. Jesus, do you care? I lost my mother, Jack and I lost our mom when we were pre adolescent still. And we watched her go downhill for six years or so. I remember that those Christmases after she was gone and just how it was gone. Everything that had been so special about Christmas was gone. So while you enjoy your day, remember there are people sitting in this room right now that are struggling. But they're here for the same reason you are. Because they believe Jesus cares. And they believe that we're in his boat. The Prince of Peace rebuked them. And he rebuked the storm. And he was sleeping again, now in a storm-tossed boat as the onlookers, surely the humans that were there, but as these divine beings were watching, perhaps thinking, this is how they would destroy him. He was sleeping in a boat, not a manger. He was not a baby anymore. He was the Messiah assuming the throne that was his from creation. This time he had come of age as a redeemer. The prince of peace stood up in a boat in the middle of the storm and simply shouted, stop! And the question each of us has to answer today, why are we so afraid that we cower to a world that doesn't know how to deal with the marriage problem and continues to erode the morals of God. They don't know how to raise good kids. In a time of great health care, mental and physical, we have more people feeling worse, more unhappy than ever. Why are you so afraid? So the Prince of Peace was indeed Prince, even over creation. And they would find that he was in fact the King of Kings when he rose from the grave. And when they stood as this one that they thought they had defeated by brutalizing him on a cross, ascended back into the heaven with an angel saying, Now guys, what are you standing here for? This Jesus that you just saw go up is coming back. And he is going to stop this storm. And the day is going to come when he is going to say, stop. Peace. Be still. And those on whom his favor rests, those that have come to Jesus Christ in true and honest faith will be transformed if they're here, will be resurrected into an immortal form if they've already passed. And we are going to meet the Lord in this new creation of heavens and earth. And this baby that was born sleeping in a manger to a virgin woman, and who was again lying sleeping in a tomb guarded By Rome, just as he came out of that grave, is going to tear open heaven and he's going to show up again. And say, peace, be still. My admonition to you today is let not your heart be troubled, neither let your heart be afraid. Let your faith be strong. Let your belief be real existential, ever-present in your heart, and do not be afraid. The angels sang it. The choirs sing it. And today we can celebrate it. The battle is over, and Jesus is Lord. God, I pray for our assembly here today that you breathe your Spirit on us, your people, and on your people around the world that we gather with in your Holy Communion today to celebrate your coming into the world and to await in great expectation your coming back. And we don't cry in fear as the apostles did. Do you not care? We know you care. And we ask you, Lord, come quickly. To your glory and honor and praise we pray today and thank you for all good things. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Merry Christmas.